turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tonight, we're talking to Dr. Dan Magus about the favorite subject of ours, COVID. Uh, Dan, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be back again. Well, here we are at the end of November, early December, and uh, we still have COVID to talk about. Uh, where are we now with regard to uh, vaccinations and breakthrough infections? Well, um, there's two things that are concerning right now. Number one, you knew that you know the new variant that just rose in South Africa, and the increase, the gradual increase in the breakthrough hospital uh, uh, infections and hospitalizations that have occurred. Um, at the, at this date, we've had 72,000. Uh, hospitalizations and fully vaccinated individuals, and 20,000 deaths out of the 775,000 deaths in the U.S. to date from COVID. Um, and this is concerning. Um, and uh, does it mean that the, the, the vaccine is useless, uh, that it's not working, uh, or should we still be vaccinated and still take our chances with the, uh, with the uh, vaccine working? Well, it, it still does work, and it still is safe. Um, what we do know that is that because of these breakthrough um, uh, infections that the CDC has um, declared that even people who are indoors should consider masking themselves, where transmission is high. And transmission as high is defined as 50 cases every day per 100,000 population. The trouble is about 80 to 85 percent of U.S. counties qualify for for easily and high transmission of disease at this point. So breakthrough infections is a risk in just about everybody. There's about 28 states already that are slowly increasing the amounts of um, daily counts of COVID new infections. Usually up north, as people um, go inside as it gets colder, and um, more and more are. Um, more and more uh, likely to transmit the disease. And then we found out that um, uh, that the, vac- the viral uh, culture loads are just as high in those people who are vaccinated who um, get infected as they are in the people um, who are unvaccinated. Again, people are starting to wonder, uh, does this mean that the vaccines are not worth, are not, not doing their job? Well, the, the bottom line is they really are doing their job. Uh, even though you may have a high viral load, a lot of the virus that you shed, once you're infected and vaccinated, the virus is not viable. You can culture, but it won't grow in culture. You're going to shed the, the virus for a shorter period of time, and anybody who's vaccinated around you is far less likely to get the virus than they would be unlike if they were unvaccinated. And there's two, tri- there's two trials, both in the U.K. and, and the Moderna trial that showed that the uh, that you're uh, two-thirds less likely 
to be a carrier and transmit it if you're vaccinated as opposed to an unvaccinated person exposed to the virus. Um, you're contagious for a shorter period of time and you're less likely to get infected and you're less likely to be seriously ill if you're vaccinated. So it still does give you some definite benefit. There was a study in the Netherlands. Before we get to the Netherlands, I have a question with regard to the breakthroughs. Uh, are there some statistics or are you aware of what I picture to be like a chart that talks about breakthrough infections for the different uh, vaccines for the Johnson and Johnson, the Pfizer, or the Moderna. And I don't have the breakdown. Uh, I don't we, have a do breakdown, have but but the um, but the uh, the, uh, the 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 breakthrough infection once you're exposed has to do with the immune status of the person, the variant you're exposed to, the age underlying the disease conditions, if you're immunocompromised or not, what vaccine you got, and how long ago was the vaccine given. So all those things make a difference. But, it, but So it's far more than the, the vaccine itself. Do we know who is, uh, well, the, of the people who are fully vaccinated, and I mean with a booster, who are still at risk for breakthrough infections and hospitalization? Well, the ones that are most at, at um a risk of those people who have immunocompromised conditions and serious medical conditions. Those people on serious immunosuppression because of um, uh, organ transplants, because of cancer treatment, because they have serious systemic arthritic problems and need um, heavy uh, immune uh, um, inhibitors uh, that they take once a month uh, intramuscular. Those are the people that are most at risk. The older you are, most of the um, infections um, that are in breakthrough infections in the hospital are in people over 65 years of age. And if you have diabetes, chronic obstructive lung disease, and specifically chronic kidney disease, those three conditions markedly increase your chance of being sick and sicker than you would be, even if you're vaccinated um, and you would catch the COVID. Uh, now, you're still better off with those conditions vaccinated than you would be if you were unvaccinated. Um, breakthrough infections, for instance, once you're in, in the hospital, if you've been vaccinated, you have a 25% chance of uh, getting in, needing ICU, but a 40% chance if you're unvaccinated. 7% will need a respirator versus 23% using a respirator if they're unvaccinated. And although 6% will die after vaccination, 8% uh, will die if they're not vaccinated. So the vaccine does protect you in giving you less, you're less likely to contact, contract the condition. If you do, you're uh, contagious for a much shorter period of time. You're far less likely to be sick. If you are sick, it's a milder illness. If it's severe, you're less likely to be hospitalized. Or if you're in the hospital, you're less likely to need intensive care respirator and less likely to die. So the uh, the uh, the vaccine does work. It does uh, protect even against the Delta variant. And uh, but after six months, both the Pfizer and the um, and the Moderna run the risk of of, of uh, decreasing the antibodies. We see it more in the Pfizer than we do in Moderna. And the Johnson and Johnson has the lowest protection rate. So. Uh, uh, the CDC has recommended boosters for people who had Johnson & Johnson, including immune suppressants 
and in, include and, and those people with serious who are old and um, have uh, serious underlying conditions like diabetes, chronic kidney disease, and uh, and COPD. Um, emphasis. You're, you're going to tell us. You're going to tell us something about the Netherlands. Was there something there? Okay. Yeah. It, back in the Netherlands, the vaccination um, uh, it showed that they tr- they they tested transmission routes uh, and and transmission rates. And if you were vaccinated, you could transmit the uh, virus to 13% of your household members. But the unvaccinated uh, tr- uh, transmitted the virus to 22 percent of household members. So if you're if, so if you're vaccinated and you get the uh, um, the condition, you're less likely to transmit it to people who are close to you, particularly those household members. Pfizer did a similar study and they found out that the vaccinated people transmitted to 23 percent of household members, but 49 percent in those that were unvaccinated. So um, both of them showed that you're far less likely to transmit the disease if the people around you are vaccinated. Um, so it's a, it, so not only do you, uh, it does protect you not only from people outside the house, but if you have a household member with COVID and you're vaccinated, you're far less likely to contract the, the condition. So another reason why it's worthwhile getting uh, um, getting vaccinated. Now we're finding out in the kids, uh, the children under 11 years old, the uh, the, the data comes out that uh, the efficacy is somewhere between 95 and 100 percent efficacy. That they're, they're they're even more effective. The vaccinations are even more effective in the young children than they are in the adults. Um, the side the antibody levels are as high as they are in kids, the children over between the ages of 12 and 18, and the side effects are mild from the vaccine, very similar to the older children. So it's worthwhile giving your children a the um, the uh, the vaccine. The children, uh, school age children, uh, comprise 25 percent of our population, and you're never going to get herd immunity unless you get some of them vaccinated. And in September of this year, 25 percent, 25 percent of the um, the cases in, uh, in in one cohort uh, in met, uh, showed that the um, they were in children. So, um, so they're 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 responsible for a, a high number of um, cases of COVID uh, this summer and this fall, especially as they're in going back to school, and uh, the vaccinations will will help protect them there. So we're uh, talking to Dr. Dan Magus concerning COVID and what's going on at the end of November, early December, 2021, and uh, talking about the vaccinations breakthroughs infections and what's happening with the vaccinations of children. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with uh, Dr. Dan shortly. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK. The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Evelyn Nicholas-Pussy with another segment of The Advocate. We have with us tonight Dr. Daniel Megas talking to us about COVID. Dan, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. As, as always, uh, well, for the last year and a half plus, we've been talking about COVID, and it's still with us. Uh, we're talking about vaccination of children. 
uh, we're now vaccinating children as young as five. How is that working out? Well, um, the, the studies show that um, uh, it's necessary. Um, it, 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 at the end of September of this year, the school-aged children represented 25% of the weekly COVID cases. Uh, albeit they're milder, but there are still some people who get very sick. They comprise anywhere from 1.6 to 4% of hospitalizations. And that rare multi-system inflammatory syndrome that the children get a a month or two after they recover from it uh, can make them very, very sick. There have been several hundred deaths of children in the United States, so it's not a mild disease. The the, uh, vaccine is given a smaller dose, 10 micrograms, and the antibody levels are just as high as they are in the 12 and 18 year olds. Um, the only thing to be concerned about is in the um, the older children and the young adults that rare case of myocarditis that follows the vaccination. It is real, but it's only 11 cases per hundred thousand, so that's one per ten thousand. Very rare. Um, you're far more likely to get myocarditis if you're a young adult or a child who gets uh gets the covid and uh so it's your 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 um your odds are in favor of getting the vaccination um it's if a good idea to go, gets, a, go ahead child, and get it if a child does uh, contract or develop myocarditis uh, which my understanding is an inflammation of the heart muscle uh, what kind yes. of treatment is available well, what's the treatment uh, well, well, there are there, there are treatments that are available for it. I give them uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, things like that, and they and they usually get over it uh, fairly uh, fairly well. Um, uh, as far as I know, there have been no deaths from it. Um, as far as I know, um, but the uh, everyone has recovered. But uh, but you could be sick from it, and uh, it, it can it can take a month to recover. So it's it's a it's a serious condition to be concerned about. Fortunately, it's very rare, and uh, does occur uh, spontaneously, uh, very infrequently. More commonly, pericarditis, the covering of the heart. But they're both of them related to general viruses that float around in the uh, community, and. Um, uh, there's a small amount of people that get it every year just because they got a, a, a various viral infection uh, c- contracted just 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 by running around the community. I see. I see. Well, well, let's let's change gears a little bit. Uh, we've been talking about COVID-19. Uh, we've been uh, basically experiencing the uh, infections with the Delta variant, and now we have a new variant, the Omicron variant. I think it's Omicron coming from South Omicron, Africa. Omicron, yes, it's uh, and it's Omicron. named after another letter in the Greek alphabet. The WHO named it Omicron. Um, Omicron. It's a condition, yeah, it's a condition that showed up in in Africa, and uh, South Africa, and it was it's um, disconcerting because at, uh, the South Africans had barely it was it was a little over two hundred cases every day. Suddenly, over two weeks, it gradually ballooned to 2,460. I think it was just a couple of days ago in, 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 on Thursday. They had 2,460 cases that day. So the, uh, the cases of um, COVID are rapidly increasing, and 90% of them are this uh, Omricon um, variant. We know that it's, uh, they genetically... Uh, checked it out because of the rapid rise, and they found out that it's got over 50 mutations, 
far more mutations than any other variant to date, and 30 of them uh, involved the spike, spike protein. So theoretically, since the antibodies that people have from the vaccine or natural infection are all geared to neutralize the uh, spike protein, if the spike protein changes dramatically, that means that this new virus may be a, a game changer. The reason why all these governments are jumping in and, and halting travel back and forth from these areas because as the Delta variant took over India, uh, it took forever for people to discover what was going on there. By the time that we realized that there was a new variant that was more transmissible, the Delta variant had spread throughout the world. It was too late to do a whole traffic. So that's why everybody is jumping in on it right now. But when you have a new variant like this. You ask three questions, Nick. You want number one: Is it more transmissible? Number two: Does it cause people more severe disease? And number three: Is it resistant to the immunity that's present in the community? Here's what we know so far: The fact that it it surges so fast in Africa over two weeks is suggestive. Doesn't prove suggestive. It's more transmissible by itself doesn't necessarily mean very much. The Delta is spread because it's more transmissible. But there's a beta variant we've had already uh, that's even more transmissible than the Delta, but it's never taken over. It's never spread very far for some reason. The Delta took over for reasons we don't quite understand. So even though this is more transmissible, and even more transmissible maybe than the Delta, does not mean it's going to take over globally. But there's a possibility it might. Number one, so we got to be careful. Number two, with all the mutations involved in that spike protein, does it make, uh, does it um, respond to the secondary immune uh, response in the body when you're unvaccinated uh, any worse than before? Does it cause more severe disease and does it last longer? We don't know. It'll take several weeks though, and maybe a couple months before we know the answer to that. And number three, most importantly since it involves severe mutations to the spike protein, is it resistant to the immunity that people have, either the natural infection to that alpha variant or that, and, that, uh, and the wild-type virus that's, that we, we all were exposed to two years ago? We don't know about that, whether it's going, and is it going to be immune to and resistant to the vaccine antibody levels that we're getting on these recent vaccines? It'll take several weeks and maybe a couple months before we know that, too. Now, the good news is if you do need a new vaccine, you can, we've got the uh, platforms to do it. We have one manufactured in, in, in a month, but it would take months to test people, and we'd hate to have to start back at square one, just like we did two years ago. Theoretically, when you, when you mentioned the... You mentioned the platforms with regard to the manufacturer of vaccines. Uh, does this mean that they just need to reprogram the vaccine manufacturer to take care of yeah. the virus with yeah. the yeah. new variant? Yeah, right. And the uh, and and the nice thing about the platform for the messenger RNAs, it can be uh, reprogrammed almost overnight. Uh, it, it it can happen that fast. So uh, we can have a new vaccine. But, you know, it, it, even though this potential may be a game changer, we don't know for sure. Um, everybody's uh, jumped in on the act and, and limited travel. As a precaution, we still don't know whether this is a serious variant or not. It, um, 
even if it's more transmissible, does not mean it's necessarily going to take over uh, globally and infect um, everybody over and, uh, over and above the Delta variant. So we'll just have to wait it out and see and keep our fingers crossed. Um, well, but it, it, is a, like it, a, it is a concern. It is a concern. Well, it looks like they're they're jumping on it fairly quickly. That should be of some benefit uh, to try yeah. to limiting travel. The spread uh, of possibly it. will limit. Yeah, we'll limit it to uh, to the countries in southern Africa. And there's seven uh, neighboring countries that uh, Senate, uh, President Biden has uh, closed the borders to. Not only South Africa, seven other uh, Botswana, Milwaukee. Namibia, uh, Zimbabwe, um, there, um, there's uh, seven different countries around the area of South Africa that they've uh, also stopped uh, visitations from. So, so we'll see. Uh, well, time will tell. And we'll have sure an idea will. over the next few weeks. Well, In the meantime, I think it's a good time. idea to get your vaccine and get your booster if you need it. Uh, if, uh, if it's a Pfizer, Moderna, uh, you should definitely get a booster if it's over six months. And the, J- J- uh, the, the CDC has recommended all the people to Johnson & Johnson get a booster because they've had the lowest antibody levels and efficacy of all the vaccines. Um, if you get a booster with your J&J, um, you get a super uh, increase in antibody levels. And you can actually mix and match. You can get a J&J and get a Moderna the second time or vice versa. Um, if they're not available, if the uh, the same vaccine well, is not available, the the, the formal uh, medical advice is get those vaccinations, get fully vaccinated, your two shots plus a booster, and hopefully we'll tamp down and, and bring this to an end. Otherwise, uh, yeah. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back next uh, next month to see what. Okay, thank you very much. Today. It's a pleasure okay, to be here, Nick. You take care. You have a good weekend. Thank Bye-bye you. Now. Thank you so much, Dan. And uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the uh, next two segments, we're going to be talking about one of the hidden treasures here in Cuyahoga County, hidden to us who don't go to the library very often, and that is the County Library. Tonight, we have Lane Edwards from the Cuyahoga County Libraries to tell us about what the library is now offering. Lane, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure having you here. Uh, The library, boy, I haven't been in a library for a long time because uh, I do everything on the computer. But uh, you and I talked recently. There's a lot going on at the at the library, and you're at the Cuyahoga County Library, is that right? That's correct. I work at the North Royalton branch of the Cuyahoga County Public Library. Uh, tell us about the uh, Cuyahoga County Public Library. How many branches are there, and what? Uh, uh, how widespread is it, and how long have they been around? Yes, um, we we are 27 branches. Um, we are about to celebrate our 100th anniversary next year. So we'll be 100 years old next year when um, the county library first started and um, got moving. And now we've grown to 27 branches um, throughout the county, serving over 40 communities. And um, really, we went through a big um 
master uh, facilities plan um, not too long ago. So a lot of new buildings with new spaces, um, hopefully inviting people in to um, experience the library again. A lot of people like you haven't been in in a while, and um, we're certainly evolving our services um, to meet those changing needs all the time. When, when I was a child and went to the library, uh, the library consisted mostly of shelves and shelves of books, the Dewey Decimal System to help us navigate a, a card system, and yep. uh, magazines and periodicals. And that was about it. Uh, the library has certainly changed. Uh, do we still have books in the library and the Dewey Decimal System? Is that still alive for some of us old fossils here? <laughs> the books in Dewey are still alive and well, yes. Oh, my goodness, but there's so much more that's being offered. Um, I, I have a list of the different things that the library has to offer and that I wanted to share with everyone tonight. Uh, first thing on the list is digital navigators. What what are they and, and how are they available to people? Yeah, thanks. Um, so what we, what we found, um, especially um, during when the pandemic first started in March, was how much the digital divide, which we thought was sort of um, decreasing with the advent of, you know, smart devices, the iPhone, the Android phone, whatever. Um, but when people were um, not able to go to school and not able to go to work and they were at home, there was a great need for um, broadband service. Um, device that wasn't a phone because although our phones are fantastic and we can do a lot of things with them, we can't do everything with them. And at some point you do need um, a desktop or a laptop computer. So out of that, out of finding out that people really do need those broadband services, and unfortunately Cuyahoga County is um, not great with the number of people that don't have access to broadband service at their home. Um, Working with the Cleveland Foundation, um, we um, developed these digital navigators that can meet one-on-one -on -one with people and help them navigate uh, something they're working on on the computer or something like that. But also for those questions of how do I get the, uh, broadband into my house? How much broadband do I really need? Because you know you can get a gig of broadband, but maybe you don't need that much in the budget doesn't afford that much and you can get what you need and um, what kind of device do I need I, I, I you know a lot of people they just were trying to file for unemployment and it was difficult on their phone but on a desktop it was fine and we know there's other things that you need to do that um, a little clunky on the phone and if you had a desktop computer or a laptop it would be a lot easier so the digital navigators can help talk through that as well and we're working with PCs for people so um, low-cost devices if that's what they're after, but if they just want to go over to their local store or order something online, the navigators can help with that too and sort of give that roadmap so that they can um, be in a better place as far as digitally goes and with Internet service. Um, we're, we're really excited oh, uh, to launch it. So digital navigator actually is a person you can talk to, is that right? That's correct. One-on-one um, -on -one help. You can make an appointment. Um, they're not stationed at any one particular library, but they will move around. So if you give if you give us a call and make an appointment with a digital navigator, you know they'll they'll meet you at your local branch at that uh, certain date and time. 
So you to to run into a digital navigator and have that experience, you call your local branch and schedule something, uh, some time and method of communicating. Do you do that by telephone and uh, live, or how do you do that? Um, sure. So um, you you know you can go to our website cuyahogalibrary.org and schedule an appointment online. You can call the branch. We always love hearing from you, and um, we will make that appointment happen. You can also call them directly um, at two one six seven four nine nine four two zero, and that'll get you right to the navigators. And um, of course, if they're not in the office, you can leave a voicemail, and they'll come right back with you and uh, get an appointment date and time. Now, now, the big thing is this is all free, right? Correct. Um, we, of course, work through the with the Cleveland Foundation, and um, this is no cost. And we're hoping that's part of the uh, appeal. You know, there's not any pressure to buy a device. There's not any pressure to sign up for um, broadband services. This is a conversation that we're helping you um, or the person who's with the navigator um, feel more comfortable buying that broadband service, buying that device. You know what you're talking about when you go in. You're just not overwhelmed. Well, now, for people who don't have broadband service, you also offer an emergency broadband benefit program. What is that? Yeah, so the emergency broadband benefit program helps reduce the cost of um, the broadband service to the home, and that's one of the things that digital navigators will go through with you determine eligibility, help you um, find the plans that are eligible through the different providers in the area so that you are going and getting your best rate. So if you are eligible for that um, discounted rate, um, we want you to be able to get that. You know, other, there's so many services you guys offer. I want to sort of move through these. Uh, Aspire Greater Cleveland is a program concerning educational qualifications, GED and ESOL. Uh, what are those programs, and uh, again, how does that help people? Sure. So, um, you know, a lot of the things that um, we always hear are about the library is our convenient hours. Um, and, of course, we have the books and computers and things like that. But we're really finding that we are convenient places in the community for classes such as GED and ESOL. Um, there are so many people who aren't able to get a job because they don't have their high school diploma or their equivalency. And with Aspire Greater Cleveland, we're able to take these classes um, in person to the branches um, and also, in some cases, virtually so that they can be done from home um, and the branches that um, have these two classes, the GED or the ESOL, English as a Second Language, um, they're, they're conveniently located. We do morning classes. We do evening classes. And really, it's about getting um, your high school equivalency or becoming more um, comfortable um, speaking the English language for a variety of reasons, but especially for jobs. You know, we want Cuyahoga County to thrive and we want a strong workforce and we want people to feel comfortable and happy here and offering these um, GED classes and ESL classes in a, um, you know, a judgment-free area where you just walk in in the library and um, go to your class. That's what we want to be about. We want to be here for the community. We want people to... um, know that these resources, as far as books and information, classes to better yourself are also here, and you can come to the library and 
um, learn what you need to do to thrive and succeed. And, and uh, as always, these courses are free also, right? Yes, they are. I, I just, um, yep. They're free. I just love saying free. Because yes. uh, if we just you list down all of these things that are free, uh, we, I think I mentioned to you one time, you could spend several lifetimes in the library doing things uh, free. That uh, You just spend uh, your time learning and educating yourself. But uh, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to Lane Edwards. He's the manager over at the Northrop branch of the Cuyahoga County Library. And uh, we're just sort of revealing and unveiling all of these services that you can get at the library that at least I wasn't aware of. So now you will all be aware of it all. So we'll take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of the Advocate for tonight. We're talking to Lane Edwards, the branch manager of the Cuyahoga County Library in North Ralston, Ohio, talking to us about all the services and benefits that are available at the public library here in Cuyahoga County. Lane, as always, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Nick. You know, the uh, I'm just amazed at all the things that you guys offer there. You have an early literacy program. In a nutshell, yeah. what what is that about, and who does it help? Yeah, so everyone knows that the library does story times well. Those aren't going away. We love our story times and serving all the kids' birth to age five. But we're also doing um, more focus groups like Baby Club, which um, brand-new parents, you're kind of, you know, trying to navigate your way through things, and the Baby Club brings parents of the same um, parents, new parents of newborns together and connecting them with services in the area and to just talk to other parents so they know they're not alone. So baby club has um, been very popular throughout our branches. Um, kindergarten club, getting those kiddos ready to go to kindergarten and walk in there confident and knowing their numbers and knowing their shapes and knowing those basic early concepts all through our branches, all connecting with under kindergartners, making them feel comfortable. We want that first day of school to be great for those kids. Um, and then one, two, three, read. We are trying to make sure that the um, kids in our community are make, meeting that third grade reading um, goal. So one, two, three, read is at the libraries. We have volunteers who work with the kids to read. And we have a program coordinator who has a um, a curriculum so the kids, they are focused and they are working, but it's really another judgment-free zone for these kids to learn to read, to feel comfortable to reading, to not have any shame and not knowing a word or not reading some things on a page and thriving. We just want Cuyahoga County to thrive. I would think that uh, for retired people who are either teachers or wouldn't mind participating in a program, this would be a great volunteer program. Do you, are you always looking for volunteers to help these programs? Yes, you know, especially with these one, two, three read programs, um, because we want the kids, you know, we don't want the attention divided. So we want kids to have that one-on-one person that they are just reading to and that person can help them. And, you know, it just makes the program all the better. So, yeah, always looking for good volunteers to um, help with these programs. 
Now, uh, along the same lines for the older kids, you offer homework help. Tell us about that. Yeah, at 10 of our branches, we have um, what we call homework centers. And essentially after school, Monday through Thursday, they are open about two and a half hours. Um, there's always a homework center coordinator who's not always, but usually um, a teacher working at one of the local school systems. And then we have um, tutors there. And um, the tutors are paid, but we also accept volunteers for the homework center as well. So any child, K through 8, can come into the homework center and get help in English, math, science, whatever. And we sit down, we help them. Those are usually, um, uh, you know, one tutor to about four students, but it works really well. I've seen it in action. Um, we feed the kiddos. They've got a little snack there, so they we all know after school, sometimes you're starving after a big day of learning. And um, another um, comfortable environment with other kids, with familiar faces and the tutors and the coordinators and the volunteers so they can thrive, so they can succeed, and they're not stuck and not silently suffering because they don't want to. They don't understand and don't want to ask the teacher and embarrass themselves. Another one of those, those places they can really thrive. Have Have you seen uh, kids really uh, progress and benefit by these programs? Absolutely, we've seen kids that have been, you know, reading, but reading at um, you know, at, at uh, behind where they should be. Um, and then really thriving because we make reading part of every day. We see the kiddos in math who are struggling, and, you know, they come in and they're all excited with big smiles on their face because they got a perfect score on their, you know, math test or something like that. And it's just it, it's heartwarming. And, and that little community in that homework center, is uh, it's really great. It's really fantastic to watch. You know, going back some years, watching uh, the interest in, in reading with the Harry Potter series and that kind of thing, kids are, are into reading. And the library has a great books for kids list. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So every year, um, the library, we get the librarians together, a group of librarians, and we curate a list of um, books that we think are just fantastic reads. And, you know, everyone knows about, like you said, the Harry Potter and the people go gaga for the Harry Potter. So we try to put, get books that maybe aren't always on the shelves, but still are fantastic reads. So it's anything from fantasy to just humor, just realistic fiction and we go through all age levels and of course we want to connect parents and kids with good books for the house to so they're always reading but also we know especially around the end of the year during the holidays or just gift giving time people are saying oh, what do i get for you know my my niece or my my grandson and this goes by age they are all fantastic books and um if you're really struggling because you haven't read um to a five-year-old or to a 12-year-old in a while, we do the work for you. And um, the list is available in our branch in physical form. You can come in and get a pick up a guide. You can also go to our website, CuyahogaLibrary.org, and the entire list is available there. My goodness. Well, that, I mean, educating kids and getting them interested in reading is just so important and, and so important for their futures as well. The, uh, but other things you guys offer at the library, these are community centers, actually, of, of activity. Um, if you need a passport, you don't have to look any farther than your library. Uh, what services do you provide for passports? Yes, yeah, so we are a full, um, 
full service passport stop. Um, we accept the new applications. We take your photo. We walk you through things. Um, our staff here that are passport trained are um, are pretty fantastic. They know the books, um, the rules, all of that that will guide you through. And we're the best waiting room in Cuyahoga County as far as passports go because, you know, you're here with a family of five. You take the kids back to the um, kids' room to look at some books or um, play with some puzzles, whatever, and you're filling out the application when you're all set. We, we get the application processed. You're not just standing in line or standing in the corner waiting for us to process it. We're friendly. We'll get that photo taken. We mail it all off. And... Um, you know, there are longer times right now than normal, but then that passport will come right back to you. And again, our hours are also key. We're open seven days a week, so you can get your passport processed and going seven days a week right at your local branch. The uh, other resources you have, you have uh, video CDs, DVDs, and uh, you have ebooks. Uh, how readily available are they, and how expansive are your collections? Yeah, so we we consider ourselves a popular library. So we try to have the most popular books and the most popular movies in the branch um, to borrow um, when you walk in. We also have things called Prime Picks, which are those hottest titles um, that don't take hold so that you can walk in the building and maybe grab a copy of it. We also take those hottest picks, and you can place a hold on them so you don't have to run into the branch. It'll be waiting for you. Now, for eBooks... Same thing. If it's a popular book, we want to have it ready to go so you can borrow from your device from the comfort of your own home. Whether you're borrowing at 10 a.m. or 2 a.m., you can download and borrow um, an e-book or an e-audio book right to your device. Um, we also offer New York Times online, Wall Street Journal online, Consumer Reports, all online, free to use um, when you log in with your library um, account. Um, Ancestry, if you're doing some genealogy work, um, Ancestry, um, free to use with your library card. And LinkedIn Learning, which a lot of people um, don't know about, but is a fantastic service um, where you can learn skills, software. Um, normally, it's a subscription to use, but if you go through the website, org and click Resources, enter your card number, LinkedIn Learning is a free service to use. Well, there's so, there's so much more. There's meeting rooms, there's computers people can use. If uh, you haven't been to the library for a long time, like I haven't, uh, can you go to the library and will people give you a tour of all your resources? Absolutely. Our clerks, um, who usually will issue a library card, are very anxious to tell you, to tell you about all the services uh, we have to offer. But anyone in the building will be happy to show you around and talk to you about um, everything you can do here at the library, whether you said it's a meeting room or a study room down the way, or to hop on one of our computers to fax for free, to copy, um, to send an email, um, scan documents, whatever. We are very anxious. Oh, very, very good. Lane Edwards, thank you so much for sharing with us what's going on in the libraries, and I recommend to all of our listeners uh, the next month, get into the library and just walk around. Thank you so much. Lane, thank you so much, and have a, have a great week. Same to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great, safe, and healthy week. Good night. 
And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my 